Um, as we continue on in this series, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and um, as we consider the different characters that we'll read and their background and everything, um, I appreciate the simplicity, and hopefully we'll see it this morning. So I invite you, if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read from Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, and then we're going to jump back to Genesis 5, and specifically verses 18 through 25 And we're going to see this story of Enoch. So Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 6, and then Genesis 5, 18 through 25. Hebrews 11, 1 reads, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And then turn back to Genesis 5. And I'll pick it up in verse 18. When Jared was 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch. After the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years. Walking in close fellowship with God, then one day he disappeared because God took him. When Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. After the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. Let's pray again. God, thank you for your word, and thank you for your spirit that guides us and leads us, Lord, and we are thankful for that gift. and. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us and dwelling in us, Lord. So as we come uh, before your word, we pray that you speak to us and make it clear uh, what you have for us. We're so thankful um, for the way that you work in our lives, Lord. So Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Whatever you want me to say, say whatever you don't, I don't. And we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You may have a seat. So we live in a time where bigger is always better, (laughs) the louder gets all the attention, the shinier the better, as soon as you buy something, a new one comes out, you know that your car value decreases immediately after you drive it off the parking lot, where the most attractive, the most shiny is everything and is measured and compared. I was talking to someone earlier this week, and uh, it's a younger person, and I made the comment that um, 
We live in a world where we are trying to get approval by other people who are trying to get approval. And what a cycle that is. And not that we're not called to excellence. We are, just to be clear. But I think even for Christians, we can fall into a trap where we want to be on a highlight reel, where it matters how big our house is, how big our family is, how good, what does it look like. We just, again, really want to be on that highlight reel. I know I've mentioned this before, but one of the curses, if you will, of being a man is whenever you meet another man, one of the very first things you say instead of, hi, what is your name, is what do you do? Let me size you up. Now, we may not think that, but we want to know what we're dealing with. And then for women on the other side, you may not necessarily, what do you do? But what typically happens and I even saw it this morning, and I'm not picking on you, is, oh, you look so good, which is fine. You all look lovely. I see you all. Um, But the comparison is, I look so good to what? Than I did last time? And is my job that I have now better? We always want to measure up, and and it's just in us, um, and, and now... I looked up and I saw that you were checking out what you're wearing, so you look lovely again. Here's your affirmation. <clears throat> but really, deep down inside, we, we want the best. I mean, we can't pretend we don't. I want the best. I want to do the best. And even considering this series, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, where we're going to look at what the person did that was good, what they did that was bad, and the ugly that happened to them. And also, obviously, God is always good. So he's the over of faith. He's the one that establishes our faith. And last week, we talked about Abel and how Abel, what we know about him is he gave a pure offering to the Lord from his heart. Cain got mad. God warned him several times, and he ended up killing his brother. And then when we go through the rest of the story, now we're going to Enoch. And what was great about him is he walked with the Lord. Cool story. What, what else? What else did he do? And, and perhaps maybe give us a little bit of background before we talk about Enoch. And, and, and the kids really did a good job. They write to the heart of the story. I, I was looking through the commentary. And a lot of times when there's... Hebrews 11, it said, and he walked with the Lord, celebrate that and move on. Let's talk about Noah because there's several chapters in the Bible about Noah. It's easier to put together. But as we, uh, this overarching theme of the simplicity of simply walking with the Lord. So just some background here. Adam was still living when Enoch was born. And Adam lived 930 years. And then as we read, Enoch had Methuselah. And Adam was still living when Methuselah was born. So all that to say, there was nine generations living all at the same time. So here's a timeline that will perhaps help you see what it looked like. So in the red is before kids. And then the gray is after kids, after having children. So you'll see this this spread, this timeline And a couple of things to note just about this. Do you notice that Enoch lived the shortest amount of time? And he had Methuselah at 65. 
So just, just to see this timeline, there is nine generations there if you count it, all living together. Now, we don't have that kind of time frame anymore. We don't have nine generations. We don't have eight, seven, however you do the math of, of great-greats living together. But this was the time before um, people were dying early after the flood. No one should live after 120 years. So here's just a timeline just so you could see. And really why I brought this timeline up is I like cool charts. And also just so you could see that Adam was around when Enoch was there. Pretty close to when they left. And what we will see, what we see here is that Adam died same time, like right there at that same time. Now, now to point out, last week I did mention, according to scripture, Cain killed his brother. But this is the very first time that we see the actual penalty of sin and death. Adam died. Now, probably by natural causes. But if you imagine nine generations are standing around when Adam is on his deathbed, if so to speak. And I think... Perhaps this is the first time where, where man realized God really meant what he said. At least I, I could rationalize it. Yeah, Cain killed Abel, but that was weird, so that doesn't count. But now he just died. They never saw death before except in sacrifices to animals. The assumption there, of course, is that Cain killed Abel and no one saw it. They just knew that Abel was no more. They never saw, and this is the first time they would have seen death. And this, again, is the penalty being paid for sin. Can you imagine that? I think we get desensitized when we read through Scripture when there's a lot of first. Because we live in a time where we see death. You just turn on the news. You go to your, your social feed, you whatever. You'll see death, and it just happens. But death should always grieve us. Because it's always a reminder of the penalty of sin. Now granted, of course, Christ died for that. And Enoch points to that. But I just wanted to point out there just real quick that there was death. Here's, a, here's, here's another chart just that I put together because I didn't read all of Genesis 5. But if you just allow me to read this just with the last verses. So if we would have read all the way through Genesis 5, the lineage of, of people. Let's, let's just see if we can catch this. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. Mahala lived 895 years, and then he died. Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. Enoch was taken shortly to heaven after Adam died. So Adam died. Everyone witnessed the penalty of sin. And before anyone else dies, God takes Enoch home. Why would that be important? In God's great Grace and his mercy, he wanted to show, yes, I am a just God, but I'm also a loving God. Enoch shows the wonderful sign that death's power would be broken to believers and would be taken home. And maybe that's not exciting enough for us, but it's a big deal. 
There's hope in that. Now, now again, I, I always imagine that if, if I'm writing out a story, and this, of course, is a true story, but if I'm writing a story, I would always imagine that I like my heroes to be grand. I like stories where they go on this great adventure. But Enoch simply walked with the Lord, and that's it. And, and according to what we read from Scripture, he didn't walk with the Lord until after he had Methuselah, which just tends to... Even we even see this today. Sometimes people who have grown up in church and grown up with faith and once they get into college or after college and get married, they kind of fade away from attending church or Bible study or personal devotion or whatever you want to call it, spending time with God. Then they have children. And I don't know about you, but when Ryder was born, our first son, I freaked out a little bit, a lot of bit. That's a human that I'm responsible for. But then sometimes what we see is people return back to church or back to faith because they know that somewhere deep inside what they experience themselves, they want to pass on to their children. And what it appears too is that as Enoch is walking with the Lord after he had his children, he simply believed and he was faithful and he walked with the Lord. And when we consider this, we do want to do great things for the Lord. We do, deep down inside, even if we're someone who is behind the scenes person, you would die if you ever had to come up here and do announcements, give a sermon, or if you were interviewed, you would just prefer to be in the background. But I think deep down inside of us, we all do want to make an impact for the Lord, which is a great thing. But what happens if I told you the only impact that you would have is you were faithful to the Lord, and then your great-great-grandson would do something great for the Lord. See, Noah's Enoch's great-great-grandson. And, and later, what we see is, and we won't read it, but in Genesis 6, Hayden will touch on this. In Genesis 6, it's at the point where the world is so awful and so hateful that it says the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's Genesis 6, 5. I'll just read that again to you. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. And then it would go on and say, so the Lord was sorry he ever put man on earth. And he wanted to wipe out the whole human race. And then he found favor in Noah. Or Noah found favor in the Lord, I should say. So it's one thing to walk to the Lord. But what happens if you're the only person walking with the Lord? Does that change things? What about just being that one faithful person? The behind the scenes that just quietly and patiently walked hand in hand with the Lord. Would that be enough for you? He had this profound awareness of who God was, and he walked with him during this time. I know earlier on, in, when I was first transitioning from going from part-time ministry or bivocational to full-time ministry, and there was one guy that uh, was a janitor where I worked with Kia Motors, and he faithfully came and prayed with me every single day 
that we worked. Early in the morning, we were 5 30, 6 o'clock in the morning, and he would come and he faithfully prayed every day. And then he went about his business cleaning the rest of the shop and everywhere else. But faithfully he prayed. And then even before that, when Natalie was pregnant with, with Ryder, he came and he told me every Friday he would fast. So that way my son would grow up and be healthy and faithful in the Lord. Do you know how important that man is to me? And I haven't even told you his name. His name's Jose. I don't know what happened to him, but all I know that his faithfulness of coming quite literally every morning, and if I wasn't there, if I was on vacation or I was on the road or doing something else, he would leave a note, prayed, Dallas. Faithfully praying. It carries so much weight. I don't know what happened to him. I never got his phone number, but that wasn't the point. The point was he felt called to do those things on my behalf, and he prayed, and he was faithful, and he walked with the Lord. He was the, he was the type of guy that kind of gave a little whistle when he was cleaning. He was always happy to clean. He was always excited to help out anyone. Even after you know the worst thing, in, one of the worst things in the world, you get everything nice and clean, and then you watch someone spill on your pristine floor. He never complained. He just cleaned. There was something about the way that he walked with the Lord that he just had so much joy that no matter what happened, he was just carrying that with him. So whenever I read this story of Enoch, my mind goes to him. Someone was joyful. And yet there's so much more to this story than just the few verses that mention Enoch. I believe Enoch had this hint of awareness because he walked so close to the Lord, that he knew that judgment was going to come by way of the flood. He named his son Methuselah. And probably the thing that you know about Methuselah the most is he's the longest living person that we know that we have recorded history. But there's more to it. His name, Methuselah, actually means he brings death or death with the spear in which he brings. And another side note, the year that Methuselah dies is the year the flood came. Just like the year that Adam died, shortly thereafter, Enoch is taken home. It's almost like God has a pattern. But he walks so close with the Lord. And, and even if you consider what we had read, is that Enoch was 65 years old when he became the father of Methuselah. And then he lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. That's 365 days. And I can get wrapped up in numerology and I blame my engineering background. 365, that's a whole year. Every day. One year represented every day. He walked with the Lord and he then named his son Methuselah. Can you imagine walking with the Lord for 300 years? Now, granted, we won't live that long. Can you imagine the maturity decade after decade he had? Well, just think about your own maturity as those of you who have been walking with the Lord for some time. Remember when you first came to the Lord, that person that you were? <laughs> I, I'm talking for me. I don't, I don't know you. But me, oh, boy. 
And then, and then, the, then you realize in five years how much you don't know. And then 10 years, you're like, oh, it's not getting any better. You know, the more closer that you walk with the Lord, the further away you realized you were from him and easily can be because of sin. But he's walking with the Lord. And Jude 1, or there's only one chapter, but Jude 14 and 15, it says, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam prophesied about these people, he said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is the other time that we hear about Enoch. That he prophesied what would come. So much so that he named his son Methuselah. When he dies, death will come. Or when he dies, the spear will come. In Jewish writing, there is a book called the book of Enoch. Now, side note, before I get too carried away. This is not in the Bible. This is just a historical record. I do know that there are other books that that have been left out of the Bible. Don't worry about that. Just if you are going to look into it, just treat it like a commentary. I would suggest do not read any of these books if you already do not have a healthy routine reading the Bible. There's nothing magical in these books that you will like, oh, I didn't even know. Just treat it like a commentary. Just like whenever I quote Josephus, just for historical reference, just like I'm not even going to quote from the book of Enoch, but simply saying the book of Enoch is referenced exactly word for word for what Jude said. I don't know if Enoch wrote the book of Enoch. All that I know is that if it is indeed his writing, which doesn't matter, his whole focus is on God. He walked with God. And as we consider walking with God, as we have seen Enoch, that he has walked with God. That's why that, that classic line, how's your walk with the Lord, that's where this came from. But a couple of things to note. Notice it, said, it did not say, and he ran with the Lord. He did not sprint with the Lord. He did not roll over. He did not crawl. He simply walked. If I tell you that I'm going to go out for a walk versus I'm going to go out for a run, you should, or I'm going to go out for a crawl. Well, if I told you I'm going to go out for a crawl, you would get me committed or something. What's wrong with you? But if I go out for a run, you'd say, yeah, right. I get it. But if I tell you I'm going out for a walk, that is just a normal routine. And one thing that I've noticed, too, is, is what I've been doing here lately is uh, while I'm here during the week is I'll do a, I call it a hot lap, but that just means I'm going around. Um, there are things that I see on my walk that I miss every time I drive. There's something about the intentionality of walking at a pace where you can observe what's going around in your surroundings. I was going to tell you a whole long list of what you can see going down Stoddard, but then I realized how boring that was. But I'll just tell you a, a, a couple of things that I saw. I saw about 30 people walking, saw some cats, I saw some signs. I saw a particular sign that said for an eye center. And you know, I never saw that sign. You're like, so what? There's an eye center. 
I kid you not, three days later, a lady came in asking me if I knew where that surgical sign place was at. Before I would say, I don't know, west, north, I don't know. But just this, this, this intentional, just slowing down, being aware. Going back to our walk with the Lord, you notice that sometimes you can get in trouble if you try to rush through your devotion. So you could say, I did it. I'm on day 595. <laughs> well, what did you read? I don't know, but I did it. But this is a simple walk. And not a crawl. And I, and I know that sometimes Christ carries, carries us a lot of the time. But if you can just imagine in your mind the difference between the walk versus jumping in your car versus running versus crawling. And when we consider this walking with the Lord, there are elements to it that will be similar and familiar across the board regardless of where you are at as a follower in Christ. Just to name a couple a uh, couple of things. If you go anywhere in the world and you meet a Christian, regardless of language barrier or not, there will be joy in the Lord. You will notice a transformed life. And I think that we can get in trouble when we expect our personal walk with the Lord to mirror exactly someone else's walk. Or, and, when we expect someone else to marry, m- mirror our walk if we expect people to copy us. And this can happen in discipleship when you're meeting with someone. The whole goal in discipleship, the whole goal in discipleship is to help point people to Christ. It may take on the form of a couple of steps, a couple of books, a couple of discipleship things, disciplines, but it's not to create a little miniature you. It's actually, if we do it Right, it's to create image bearers of Christ. And really, if we try to make miniature us, we are really limiting the work of the Holy Spirit. And I bring that up because Enoch, as he walked with the Lord, of course, I'm taking liberties here. We don't know anything else. He named Methuselah, and then Methuselah had Lamech, and then Lamech, it goes on, and then eventually we get to Noah, It doesn't say he he acted like Enoch or anything, but he saw the example of faithfulness. And as we see other people's walk, we should and can be inspired as long as we don't try to copy them. One of the things that I had been uh, trying to work on for this year, for 2023, is try to change up my disciplines, my spiritual disciplines, because I'm such a routine person. I try to change them up. And I was reading... That D.L. Moody woke up at 3.30 in the morning and prayed. And I thought, hey, that's a good idea. That lasted like none times. You know, the alarm goes off at 3.30 and you're like, I'll snooze it. But then also just working through and praying through that. And I said, okay, God, maybe it's not 3.30 in the morning. Maybe I shouldn't be copying what D.L. Moody did. What is it that you want me to do? See, that's the question, Lord. This is what I see as an example. What would you like me to do in return? Now you're waiting to see what I did, huh? I'm not going to tell you. Just kidding. I had told you before, what I do is after I drop off the kids, now we're 8.15, <laughs> nearly five hours later. 
I listen to the scripture in my car after I drop off the kids at school. I listen to the scripture in my car. And then when I get to here, one of the very first things I do is I reread the scripture that I'm doing. I have devotionals that I'm doing throughout the day, blah, 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 nerd, nerd, nerd. It doesn't matter. But really what I try to do is I try to compare what I listen to to what I read and see how much I can retain. And, and God has been very faithful. And then actually that's where it came from that I should go and take a walk around the building. Now, it would be wrong, it would be wrong of me to say, all right, everybody, that's what you must do. At 8.15, press play on your Bible app, and then whenever you get to your destination, read it. It would be wrong. But I only tell you that because as you're praying and asking and seeking God, as you are developing and growing in your walk with the Lord, Lord, that's what I heard today, what would you like me to do about it? And he may say, go do that. He may say, 3.30 for you, buddy. He may say, whatever he says, and walk. So I just, I, I want to be careful that when we, when we come across someone that, who, who had this great prayer life, this walking with the Lord, that we just don't think, oh, that's, that's unattainable, that I can't do that. It's just simply faithfulness. And again, it goes back to that question, if the only thing that you're ever known for is your great-great-grandson or daughter did something for the Lord because of your walk, would it be worth it? So a couple of things about walking, and I got this really, this kind of this outline from a combination of John Stott and Craig Smith, some of the theologians for this series that I was reading about, and they give four steps in your walk, and I, I want to read them to you. So here's the four if you're a note-taker. Uh, when you're walking, there should be a purpose. When you're walking with the Lord, there should be progress. When you're walking with the Lord, it is a privilege. And when you're walking with the Lord, it is a pleasure. So I just want to touch on those quickly. So as you're walking with the Lord, there should be a purpose. Your life has meaning when the one who gives you life becomes your source of everything. Your life has meaning when the one who gives you life becomes your source of everything. And at least I know personally that, that on my good days, that is true. On my bad days, I try to look for my source somewhere else. My life has meaning because the God of the universe created me, created you. And since he created us, what does he ask of us? To simply walk in step with him. And he becomes your source of everything. Then you stop comparing about what everybody else has, what everyone else looks like, what everyone else does. And your whole focus is hand in hand with God. And the more that you walk in step with the Lord, the more that you realize you really lack nothing. I get in trouble whenever I take my eyes off from the Lord and I start looking around. The next one, progress. Walking with the Lord, you will see growth. Not only will you see growth in yourself, but you will also see growth in others. Again, imagine walking with God for as long as Enoch did, 360 years. And not only was there growth in him, but he would have seen any kind of growth in other people. And I've seen it in my own life. The, the closeness that I am with the Lord, the better attitude I have towards all of you. 
things that would normally upset me or pet peeves or whatever it is, seems to go further into the background when I'm more focused on the Lord. Then part of that, then I am intentionally looking for the growth in you. Not to be judgmental, but to encourage you and say you can do it. And a privilege. If you look up the word privilege, just in in the dictionary, it means a special right, an advantage, or an immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. That privilege that we have walking in step with God is first his grace and his mercy to save our souls. But next, walking with him, it is a special right to walk with him. It is an advantage. It is a privilege. It also takes away the pride. I deserve this. And again, have you ever prayed that prayer? Maybe not exactly like this. Maybe, maybe in, in, in your down moment, you're like, Lord, if you do this, I promise I will always fill in the blank. Just this one time, Lord. Well, you're lying. It's your 37th time on this one time, Lord. But then you realize the, the roles are reverse. The privilege is, is you get to come before the Lord. You are granted special permission to be with the one who created the world. And the last one is pleasure. There is such joy when you are walking with the Lord. The good of God, the hints of God, should be evident in our life. Christians should be the most joyful happy, forgiving, loving people ever, without a doubt. And it is a pleasure. So if you are in, so let's just take your quiet time. We'll, we'll uh, consider our quiet time. The quiet time, if we look at it with a purpose, the more time we spend with the Lord, the more he becomes our source of everything. We will see the progress in what the Lord is doing in our life, in the world around us. We will sense and notice that it is a privilege that we even get to be in the throne. And there is so much joy in the Lord. Side note, if you find that you are struggling with joy, just a couple of notes because sometimes my joy can be sucked away from me. Just just if this is helpful. Uh, if, If I am without joy, this is what I wrote. If I'm without joy, what did I, what am I expecting God to do that he never said he was going to do? That tends to be my big one. For example, I expect an easy life. God never said it would be an easy life. I expect that I would get along with everybody. God didn't say that. I expect things to go easier. I expect that I'm 41 years old, that I would be you know, longer than I am, uh, have progressed faster and further than I had before. So that's what, that's, what, that's what it is for me. Some of the other notes, just because of pastoral counseling and talking to you, is do you have sin in your life? Is there sin that's robbing your joy? Unconfessed sin, unrepented sin. Joy, stillers. Because if there's unrepented sin or sin in your life and you are walking hand in hand in the Lord, what it is is like this example, and Nora's not in here. She's my six-year-old. We went on the walk. This is... Uh, two years or so ago, and I just remember this exactly. I said, here, let's go on a walk. And she said, can I bring my candy with me? And I said, no, it will melt in your hand. And she said, but I really want to eat my candy. And I said, no, you're going to drop it on the floor. So as we went on the walk, she thought she was cool, had her candy in her hand and in her pocket and held my hand. And as I was talking to her, I I noticed that she wasn't engaged in the conversation. 
And we kept walking. And then I'm, I'm a mean dad sometimes because I knew there was a candy in her hand. So I made us walk a few more blocks just to really like drive it home. I've since apologized for this. Sorry. <clears throat> but we're walking and the whole time she's so distracted because she has something in her hand that she knew that she wasn't supposed to bring. She was walking with me, but she wasn't with me. She was with her candy that melted in her hand. So yes, I washed her hand and gave her another candy, but just for the example is that if you have unrepentant sin, deal with it. Your walk with the Lord, he is faithful, he is forgiving, but you will not enjoy your walk if you're holding your candy in your hand. So as we think about this, there's one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Earlier I mentioned what Methuselah's name meant, that he brings death or he brings death with the spear. There's various translations. I believe last week I mentioned that even today the Jewish the Hebrew tradition is to name your children how you are feeling in the moment or what you're hoping for them to do in the future. It's almost like a prophetic thing, a hopeful thing, a prayerful thing. So what I, what I did not read to you is, is I didn't read all of the names from Adam to Noah but if you were to take the names in order, there's a picture here that you can follow along. Adam's name means man. Seth can be translated to appointed. Enos is mortal. Canaan is sorrow. Mahela is blessed, our blessed God. Jared is shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah, he brings death or death with a spear. Lamech is despair. Noah is rest. But if you put that in the correct order, it means this. Man is appointed, mortal in his dwelling, or here on earth. The praise of God, Jesus came down to make disciples, was spared, pierced by a man who is unknown to give rest to mankind. You see that? So the name Adam, Seth, Enos, Cana, Mahela, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamedic, and Noah is essentially the gospel. So God, in his great wisdom, had already put the names of these men in order to show what he was going to do. In other words, it means man was created he is mortal and in his sorrow because of his sin. But bless God that he shall come down, teaching as his way, his death brings the despair rest. Or in other words, man has fallen short of God's glory. God sent his son who was speared or pierced for our sins. He was unknown and he saved our soul. So even back then, as we consider these names, as you are spending time with the Lord, don't just rush through the list of names. There's another one that I'll tell you about the 12 tribes, or you can go home and Google it. But it talks about the whole story of creation, the fall, Jesus dying, and his return. So as we consider this series, the good, the bad, and the ugly,
all that we see here, we do not see the bad that Enoch did, except he lived in a world that was bad. We see the good as he walked hand in hand in the overarching view of God being good. So last week, Abel was faithful in his heart, his heart of giving, and Enoch was faithful in his walk with God. So how can you draw near to God? And although it is counter to the culture that we live in about, don't, about the dreams and the relationship and what it will look like later down the road, I'm sure you've been there before. I can't wait until next year when I'm so close to the Lord. I got this new book. I'm going to read it every day. And then after this, I'm going to just be powered up, leveled up. But don't look at where your relationship is going. Look at where your relationship is now and take the next step. It is a walk. And just in closing, I've spoken to several people during my time as a pastor who had struggled with different types of addictions. And those who, by God's grace, have overcome those addictions and they've taken it moment by moment. There's one guy in particular who started to celebrate recovery in the church down south that we are a part of. And one of the things that he said stuck with me. He said, when people ask him, how have you been sober and clean for the last 38 years? He says, I don't look at the next year. And then he would go on to say, when people are saying, well, I don't know how I'm going to make it next year. I don't know how I'm going to make it this month. He always tells them, do not worry about next year. Focus on staying sober for the next five minutes. Or perhaps just make it to lunch. Just make it to dinner. And it may sound extreme that I'm comparing our walk with God with those who have had an addictions, but if you think about it, if you are worried about what it will be later, you will miss all of the steps of faithfulness of walking with the Lord. And that is why we read Enoch. That is why he's in Hebrews 11. That's why he's a hero of the faith. He walked with the Lord 300 years, but it started with one step at a time. And just to remember the most important thing about you, the very essential of who you are. The, the greatest thing that matters about you is not your list of accomplishments, the money you made, the friends you've made, how many followers, your entrepreneur skills, the house. The most important thing about you is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Praise his name for that. We're going to receive communion. We're going to sing a couple of songs. You're invited to join us to receive communion. Everyone is welcome if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Some of the guys will pass out the elements and then we'll sing some more songs and then I'll come back and lead us in communion. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives, Lord. And thank you that um, you walk with us even when we don't. <laughs> even when we pout, throw a temper tantrum, throw ourselves on the ground. When we crawl, when we try to run ahead, when we try to go to a different direction. Lord, you are faithful and you remain faithful and you're constant. So Lord, as we take this story of Enoch and there's only a handful of verses about him, yet what an incredible life to live, one of walking with you for 300 years. And Lord, we know that our time here on earth will not be 300 years, Lord, but whatever it is that you bless us with life Will you help us walk in step with you? Let us not get too far out in the future of what it will look like when 
but we're just faithful in the here and now, one step at a time, that we can slow down our pace and really enjoy you and all that that means. Lord, thank you for the gift of forgiveness of sin. Thank you even with the, the neat patterns of names in the Bible that really point to your whole hope, your whole goal is that everyone comes to know your sin as Lord and Savior. And Lord, for those of us who, who know that truth, who believe and confess that Jesus is Lord of our life, will you help us walk in step? Will you help us also not try to compare? Will you also help us in our discipleship, whether we are being discipled or we're discipling, that we're not trying to become someone else or make someone become like us, but we point them to you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is all the heavy lifting, Lord. We thank you and we love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.